podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm one of your co-host, Menas. I'm joined by Gav Joshi. Gav, it's officially time for me to hit the panic button with Australia's <laughs> World Cup campaign. We've lost five ODIs in a row, so I'm nervous. How are you doing? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm okay, Menas. I actually haven't quite hit the panic button. We still haven't started the World Cup. Yes, there are some cracks which are almost seem a little bit widened by, by the performances, but not quite panic. We're, it's the Australian cricket team, not the Wallabies. <laughs> I knew it wouldn't take you long to bring up the Wallabies. <laughs> I, I certainly think Australia's Cricket World Cup combat campaign will be better than the Wallabies. But the way things stand, Australia, as I said, five one-day international losses in a row, having lost uh, the last three in South Africa and the first two against India. So we'll get into all that in a moment. We're, we're going to get through the cricket headlines. Then we've got Can't Let It Go. A lot of World Cup updates with some movement within the teams. But also, Gav, an exciting exciting time domestically because the cricket season has started on the, on the weekend we had um, the WNCL the women's national cricket mm-hmm. league and then the marsh one day cup has begun so the season is underway it is underway it, it's uh, it's a little bit too early i still prefer the old method when the footy finals were done and dusted and all the attentions turned to cricket um, it's still not like that. I think a lot of attention still on the football here in Australia. So I'm a little bit old school, but we know how cricketing schedules are uh, in modern times, Spinners. You want to cramp everything and play as much cricket as you can. Absolutely. And for someone that can't get enough cricket, I'm thrilled. All right. Well, let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. Let's wrap up the first two one-day internationals of the India series. So Australia, as I mentioned at the top, have lost the opening two matches. Let's start with the first match. Australia um, made some changes for their first match. Matthew Short made his debut for Australia and Josh Inglis took the gloves. So Alex Carey sat out and Australia was sent into bat in the first match and were dismissed for 276 a frustrating innings for Australia with lots of players getting starts but none able to really go on. Warner made 52, Inglis 45, Smith 41, Green 31, Stoinis 29, but none of them went on to make a match-winning score. For India, Mohamed Shami took five for 51. He bowled exceptionally well. And then in the chase, India did it pretty easy, five for 281. They did it in 48.4 overs. They put on a 142-run opening stand. Guy Quad and Gill made 142 runs, as I mentioned. Guy Quad, 71. Gill, 74. KL Rahul was 58, not out. And Surya Kumar Yadav made 50. So they, I, I thought they never really got out of second gear, India. It was a very easy win for them, considering a lot of their best players aren't even on the park. It was, wasn't it? I mean, the, the thing that stood out for me was how, you know, how cruisy India were. I mean, how important Jasprit Bumrah was um, when he bowls and India are completely different. And just what their new bowl bowlers can do. We saw Shami being lethal. They could rest Siraj. Uh, I think they're just, you know, uh, it's about giving everyone a go, but also ensuring that all the players are, are 
you know, just started to peak towards the tournament, which is far from contrast from Australia. I mean, one big concern I have with two matches is where's Glenn Maxwell? Uh, yes, you know, Mitch Marsh is a bowler. You can sort of understand back-to-back games, but uh, Glenn Maxwell hasn't played for a while. Um, I think there's some huge concerns around. We talked about the loss of Trevor's head. I was actually, um, you know, we'll go to the second one day or later on, but nice to see Matty Short open the batting. But, yeah, you're right. The first one, it just, uh, it's almost like India just cruised. They just knew, you know, anything around 300 will cruise to victory. And they just, they I mentioned it on the podcast last week. I think all of their players, their best format, whether that's the old veterans or the youngsters coming up, their best format is 50-over cricket where because it's a balance of technique. You can take your time if you need, but if you want to be a dasher, you can. So I think it really suits them. I like Matthew Short playing in this match. And it's an interesting point you bring up about Glenn Maxwell. So with Travis Head fracturing his hand there is it going to be you would think a change made to the squad whether that's minus Labashane coming in or a Matt Short with with Maxwell's injury concerns maybe the selectors will go for Matt Short ahead of Labashane because he can play a bit of a versatile role and can bowl a few overs so he could you know be a like-for-like replacement for Maxwell or Head so very interesting that he was in that squad. I also thought it was interesting playing Inglis as the keeper. He dropped a sitter early on uh, when Australia was bowling just down to his right. But he he made some runs. I guess if Australia were looking for a finisher and a wicket keeper, I think Inglis is a little bit more dynamic than Carey. But, yeah, I'm still not sure Inglis has done quite enough to unseat Carey as the main keeper. But just a... Yeah, but concerning performance, and we'll get to the second match. What What is adding up to me, though, Gav, is Australia's not just losing, but they're just, just, just looking so far out of the contest, especially with the ball in hand, and, and that that's a very big concern. It, it is. And, um, you know, the three defeats against South Africa, 100 runs last night, uh, 99 runs, mind you, Duckworth Lewis, otherwise could well have been over that as well. So they're emphatic victories for the opposition. Uh, my concern again, Menas, is, and we talked about the middle order, but I just, Australia cannot win the World Cup with having the top three of the four being Warner, Smith and Lab- Marnus Labuschagne. Only two can be in that top four. Um, I still don't think Marnus Labuschagne fits into this one-day setup. We saw that yesterday. Yes, he did, did have a pretty successful tour of South Africa, but he's going to score. If Marnus reaches 100, it's going to come up 110 balls. Um, and him and Smith batting together, oh, we've even seen it in Test cricket. They haven't had it, you know, up until re- recently. They, If you look at their record, because they both sort of have a similar kind of methods of going about the Patience is the key. Um, and I just don't can't see Steve Smith. And if Marnus Labuschagne needs to bat, I think he needs to bat above Steve Smith. I think Smith has got more chance of scoring forty of twenty five balls coming in at you know two for two hundred odd rather than Marnus at two for two hundred. Marnus Labuschagne probably doesn't even get a bat. Um, mm. but, you know, you probably have the Stoinis and Green and whoever you want to play um, up the order. So I just don't think he fits into this. I think Australia's got to look for somebody else. I don't think he should be even be in the World Cup squad. Um, but but don't you think, though, the the only thing I would counter to that is he's the only one who's been consistently scoring runs across but, but, the, the but, South Africa and India series. You know, you've got Green, Stoinis, 
you know, a lot of players are, are failing to fire. We don't know what form Maxwell's mm. going to be in. Mitch Marsh has been good but patchy. So um, well, do I you mean, need some I'll, consistency? Well, but, but I, I think, like I said, you need to find a, a replacement. I reckon to leave Travis Head there. I don't know when he'll get fit. Even if it's after three or four games, let it be. I think it, Travis Head is so important to the Australian lineup. If it's Head, Warner, you know, Mitch Marsh and Smith, that should perfect number four. And then you don't need Manus. Yeah, then you can have even an Alex Carey, if you want to resurrect an innings, Alex Carey can play that role. And then you have Maxwell at six and Stoinis at seven. I think that's the perfect thing. I think Australia's getting carried away with these all-rounders. We saw, you know, Cam Green got toasted at the back end of the innings in, in, in birth. He's not your death bowling option. I, you know, more I thought about it, I think Australia, again, is getting caught up. And we saw that during the T20 World Cup. They're trying to replicate England, but when you don't have the players, you should stick to your strengths. And I just watching, you know, Pat Cummins bowl quite well. Mitch Stark has to come back. And Josh Hazelwood was exceptional yesterday on, a, on an absolute batting belter. And you've got Adam Zampa. So that's your four best bowlers. Pick them, you know. And it's not like Stark at number eight or Pat Cummins at, no, at number nine can't hold a bat. They certainly can so I think go with those top. They're your four bowlers. You've got all rounders in, you know, Maxwell, Stoinis. Um, and they and, can make up the other ten overs. They, they can make up ten overs. You don't need this whole. Australia's going down this England boat. Then they have Sam Curran down at number seven, or Chris Wokes at number nine, and Moen Ali. If you don't have them, don't play them. I, given the way Hazelwood bowl and Cummins bowls, and we know what Stark can bowl. I would still play with your best three quicks, which are these three, and Adam Zampa. I'm starting to lean towards that. Australian setup, I don't think, wants to do that. I think they're based on that all-rounder. They've been fascinated by this all-rounder. I think they're getting carried away with the way England have been able to play. The... And it's too late for that. You have to build towards that. And I think Australia might have missed that window. So... How do they yeah. change that? I, I'm not sure. And and because once you have, well, man, it's the big thing is if you have these three, four out and you know, like outright top class bowlers, then even if you score 25, 30 runs, you're better off trying to defend that with high quality bowling attack than trying to go hammer and tongs and try to score 325 and only end up with 280 and then not having, you know, all rounders trying to do your job. Well, I, I, the Australia's bowling has been so concerning across these last five defeats. What you're proposing is actually not a bad idea. Pick your four best bowlers, back them to do a job, make up the other ten overs with a, a couple of all-rounders and, and go in with your strength. Because, I mean, we'll get to the second game now in India. India batted first and made five for 399. Absolutely smashed us all over the park. There was a couple of changes for the Australian side. Pat Cummins rested, Mitch Marsh rested, so Steve Smith was the skipper, and I think we'll see that during the World Cup if Cummins needs a rest. And also Spencer Johnson was given a debut, mm-hmm. um, so nice to see him. We didn't see Stark yet or Maxwell, as you said, so you know we haven't seen Stark or Maxwell at all before the World Cup, so that is a concern. But uh, yeah, in, uh, India absolutely pasted us all around the park. Um, Ayer... 
Shreya Sire and Shubman Gill put on 200. Shreya Sire made his third century. Gill, his sixth one-day international century in just 35 innings. So, you know, there's some real talent there. They just cruised to five for 399. And then in reply, Australia was set 200, sorry, 318 to win and were bowled out for 217. Uh, that was a Duckworth Lewis uh, Stern adjusted target. So Australia never really in the hunt. David Warner and Sean Abbott made half centuries. Um, Jadeja and Ashwin took three wickets each. And Sean Abbott spoke after the game and how well Ashwin and Jadeja were bowling and the fact that the pitch was turning and Ashwin spinning it both ways made it very difficult for them. So another convincing win for India. And look at these bowling figures. To your point about the part-timers, and the all-rounders, Cameron Green, 10 overs, 2 for 103. Sean Abbott, 10 overs, 1 for 91. Uh, I mean, you know, they were absolutely pasted all around the park. So, you know, as you say, maybe, you know, Green especially isn't up to bowling in, in these conditions. Uh, not just Green. I don't know about Sean Abbott. I, unless the ball swings, I think he can be patient. He was not bad on the first. But I think, you know, the opposition would look at that and they'll say, hey, Sean Abbott, this is the guy to target. Uh, I don't know. what Sean Abbott's an exceptional, you know, state cricketer. I just don't know in those conditions. If the World Cup was in Australia, maybe a different story. Played a lot of cricket in England as well. But I think in India... I just just the type of bowler he is. I, I think opposition will look to really fancy him. So uh, look, I but don't think he think get. I don't think he gets just, a game. Menace. No, but I agree. Um, but with um Cameron Green, for example, who I think they yep. probably did have in their plans for this World Cup, starting in the right. eleven. You know, he's just running in and hitting the pitch hard, and it just doesn't work in fifty over cricket. And I look at someone like Josh Hazelwood, who, you know, prior to the twenty nineteen World Cup, went through a he had injuries, but he also had a bit of a slightly rough patch in in, yep. in limited overs cricket, both 20 over and 50 over. And he, he really worked on his variety, taking the pace off the ball, bowling different lines, uh, bowling different paces, going wide of the stumps. I just don't think Green has those um, deliveries in his arsenal at the moment. And they're just lining him up. And you're right, in India, where the, he's not getting the extra pace and bounce that he would in Australia, he, he's just cannon fodder. Yeah, he and, you know, Josh Hayes, I remember just, just after post-COVID when you were allowed to go outside and train and being at um, the Olympic Park where he just spent, you know, close to a couple of weeks and, and he was just, I recall, just having a bit of a chat to him on the sidelines and he said, well, I'm off to the IPL soon. I think it was the one that played in Dubai, uh, which was it was behind closed doors. And he said, I would just worked on my variations, seam angles, wrist angles, and he just put in a lot of effort, and that's really transformed Josh Hazelwood. Cam Green probably hasn't had that time. He's been exposed to IPL, no doubt about that, but he's still very raw in, you know, he, he I think he's very a, a protected species, and he knows it in terms of his bowling action. Uh, he has had stress fractures. So all those things, I don't think that he knows his body that well. You look at Josh Hazelwood, he was able to do that at the age of, you know, 30, 31, you know, Cam Green's seven or eight years younger. He's still trying to develop himself. So I think it's a big burden. I, I Like I mentioned. He doesn't even have I, a good slower ball. Well, the only place I can see Cam 
you know, Grant Green playing in this team is actually opening the batting. But yeah, yeah, if yeah. he's going to open the batting, then I think it's asking too much. I think he'll just break down because if, if he bats for the, you know, say 25 overs and then he's pretty much on the field for 75 overs, I think the, you know, the sports scientists, they're going to have, you know, sort of red flags popping up all over their screens because that's not what you want to come from Cam Green, which then begs the question, what is he doing? I'm going to throw a, a name sort of out of the box a little bit at you, Minas. A dasher up the top with a bit of experience, right? You ready for this? What Give about, okay, what about if Travis Head just rolled out? What about Matty Wade? Ooh, now you're talking my language. I mean, I'm a massive Matty Wade fan. I like him at the top of the order. He's still playing T20 international cricket for Australia. I don't think the selectors are thinking that, but no, I mean, I know, but... I, I'd love to see him in there. You know, you know my feelings about Matt Wade. There's nothing he can't do. Um, so why did you suggest Wade? Well, I'm just thinking who could bat up the top and be dynamic, and I think Wade can. I mean, he's a bit you don't like Mitch Marsh up there with Warner? No, Mitch Marsh at three. I like him at three. I, I just think Steve Smith is a four. Uh, because if Steve mm. Smith's a three, who's a four? I don't think Australia have a number four. I don't think Australia probably, you know, number one. Want to be four. a Stoinis or a Maxwell in there? Well, the other option is get Stoinis to open the batting. Can, can yeah. he becomes and then a put Marsh and, down at four? Well, no, Marsh still remains at three. I think Australia's oh, so Marsh at three, Marsh. Smith at four, Smith at Kerry four, at five, Kerry at five. You got Maxwell at six, and then. You know, maybe, whoever your rounder is, whoever the other all rounder, or if you want to strength the batting, I think Ashton Agar is good enough to bat at number seven, even. Um, mm. and, uh, but yeah, I think there's just, yeah, I think they're just somewhere they're trying to fill in the gap, you know, it's almost, um, and I think that the problem Australia has is Maxwell hasn't played a lot. Um, as we pointed out, Alex Carey is a middle order, but I just think they're missing that one other middle order player. Um, I mean, there's too many unanswered questions. I mean, too many starts in 10 days, they should know this by now. Well, that's why I mean, I I don't mind Matty Short like giving a chance, but why not Matthew Wade? I mean, what can't Matthew Wade do? Then you probably don't have to, you probably didn't have to, uh, you know, take an English there. He becomes your backup person and why not? I mean, if you look at Australia when they won the T20 World Cup in Dubai, Matty Wade was there. So I might be thinking radically and it's probably not on the selectors, you know. <laughs> I like it though. But, I mean, but I'm I, the head I, of the I Matt Wade fan club. Yeah, I, I don't know why, why he's not even considered. And you can't mm. say they want a left-hand, right-hand combo because – Worn on head, we're always going to open the batting. So why not, Travis? Uh, why yeah. not, Matty Wade? All right. So Australia two 0 down in the series against India. Lost that series and plummeting towards a diabolical World Cup campaign, in my opinion. All right now, I've got a couple of questions for you. You said before that you would take Travis Head injured to the World Cup. I hmm. think that is completely ridiculous. His hand is badly broken. He's he probably going to miss at least the first half of the World Cup. It's a nine-game tournament. You only allowed 15 players. I think mm. it would be folly for Australia to go in with 14 fit players. I think if they, they need to pick a 15-man player squad, then if someone gets injured and head is right, 
maybe they can bring him back in. But I think bringing Head in mid-tournament with no match practice coming off injury is ridiculous. Mm. I think they're going to need all the options that they they can muster. So I think they have to, unfortunately, draw a line through Travis Head, which is a shame. But I, I just don't think they can afford, especially the way we're playing, that they'll need all the options on, on the table. But they haven't even got the right options. That's that's my thing. So you might as well trust Wade. I mean, the, Australia's first game is still 14. So, so you think you should take head? You think they yeah, should I think, take head? Uh, yeah, I, I think, well, he's, you know, he's been back for about eight days now. So they reckon, you know, he could be back playing around the 15th of October, which is still three weeks away. So that will give him about a five weeks recovery. Australia's probably only have to have two games in, in that instance. Um, and then we'll see what goes because if he comes back, and, and I guess the downside, is, as you rightfully mentioned, is with a broken hand, he's not going to be able to bat. So he's going to be very rusty. Um, but hopefully by then, Glenn Maxwell get you know plays, um, and, and there's a bit of boost down the bottom. I think that's a bigger issue for Australia. Like it's been two and a half months since Glenn Maxwell played a game. I haven't had many. Uh, confirmations on how long he's batted. At least Mitchell Stark has been bowling in the nets in India, but I haven't had any confirmations. And none of my sources have told me about you know Glenn Maxwell having a decent hit out in the nets. I could be completely wrong, um, but that that's my big thing because I think Australia needs a really good World Cup from Glenn Maxwell. Um, and right now it feels like he's. I don't know if is he is he going to play the first game. Is he going to play in the third? I think he needs to start playing games. Oh, spot on! And, so this is one of the well, concerns and one of the unanswered questions. I mean, when Australia won the World Cup in 2015, Glenn Maxwell had a strong World Cup down the order. He was able mm-hmm. to ice a lot of the Australia batting innings. They played a bit of a classical game, you know. Um, set the foundation and then Maxwell was able to come in and and profit from the good starts. And the way Australia is shaping up, they're going to need his ability and experience in these conditions because a lot of the other players wouldn't fill you with much confidence. And, and, you know, I look back at that 2019 World Cup, one of the areas Australia struggled was Stoinis and Maxwell weren't able to have strong World Cups, which meant the top order had to do all the work. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's a and, lot of concerns. And, and you look at, you know, the injuries had you know, around his ankle. And someone like a Johnny Bairstow, your good mate, and a, I'm sure he listens to your podcast. <laughs> <He's> a, <laughs> yeah, <idiot. laughs> um, uh, you know, he's talked about how after his fall about the ankle and how it's limited him. It's taken him so long to get back. And Glenn Maxwell's had a similar kind of injury, maybe not to the extent as Bairstow, but it, he's talked about how difficult it has been for him. So, Clearly, the fact that Maxwell hasn't played for two and a half months, hasn't had any game scenarios, that it's a concern that he might not be able to find his best form. And if he doesn't, then Australia is going to struggle. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take our first break on this episode of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. Then we'll be back with some more burning World Cup questions. You're listening to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Menas. I'm with Gav Joshi. We're motoring through the cricket headlines and not good listening for Australian cricket fans because they're having a bit of a poor run of form heading into the World Cup. Now, you mentioned before about Australia's fast bowlers, and you, Gav, you said maybe Australia should play all three of them. That's Hazelwood, Stark and Cummins. So the way it is at the moment, Hazelwood is the number two ranked 50-over bowler in the world. 
Josh uh, Mitchell Stark is sixth rank in the world, and Pat Cummins is the 22nd ranked ODI fast bowler in the world. So we've got three high-quality bowlers. But one thing that jumps out for me on, on just those rankings, Hazelwood and Stark, in my opinion, are ahead of Cummins in the pecking order in 50-over cricket. If I look at their records, Pat Cummins, 76 games, 125 wickets, average of just under 28, economy 5.2. Mitchell Stark, 110 games, 219 wickets, an average of 22, a strike rate of just 26 an economy rate of just over five and over. So similar to Cummins, but a better strike rate and average, and I think Stark's a better death bowler. But then you've got Hazelwood, who's the most you know solid performer. He can bowl anywhere in the innings, 72 matches, 113 wickets, average of 26, economy rate of just 4.67, and a strike rate of 33.63, so higher strike rate, better economy rate. Not a lot between them in the figures, but I think you've still got to have Hazelwood and Stark in your bowling attack, and then I think Cummins is probably interchangeable. Yes, I mean, it, it depends on, you know, where uh, Australia is playing, who the opposition is, but I, I still don't I, – I think Australia probably have to go back to that, given – how brutal that middle order is because you're not getting runs. If, 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 if say Glenn Maxwell's in form or, or, or Alex Carey or, you know, someone like uh, Marcus Stoinis is in hot and, and the top order is also firing on all guns and, you know, if Australia's consistently scoring, say, 350, then you can afford those all-rounders. But, you know, you, you just look at uh, sort of Australia's, uh, you know, their first two games. It's in Chennai against India, a bit of a – it can be a turner. Uh, Lucknow against South Africa, which is not a quick pitch. Um, and then they also play Sri Lanka there um, before, you know, Bangalore tends to be a bit of a batting paradise. So, but just so looking at those, even, you know, the first three games, you think they're on a bit of a slowish deck. Uh, and I think if that is the case, then maybe one of the quicks gets rotated. Who that is, you think, uh, but I'd be very tempted from the evidence of what I've seen, especially in that first game, to drop the all-rounder, and play the three quicks and add a Adam Zampa. And it's, mm. look, you know, India's got into this bit of a state as well where, you know, Shami, Bumrah, um, and Mohamed Siraj are three exceptional quicks. And they've got Kuldeep Yadav as their spinner. So, similar kind. The problem India have is out of those four, probably none of them can handle a bat, you know, while here, you still got Stark at number eight. You're, you're still convinced, you know, mm. you're still convinced with Pat Cummins at number nine. So, this whole infatuation of having these all-rounders, um, I think for the first game, Australia should just go back to drawing board, play their three, four best bowlers, which are those, and then, you know, you've still got two bowling options. And if Matt Short or, or whoever comes in, um, then then they can play, play those two, two, the part-timers can bowl those total of 10 overs. Well, they might have to. And, and judging by the way 50-over cricket's going in the last couple of years, it is no doubt becoming a bit more like T20 cricket. That There are patches where batters will play T20 cricket and you have to be adept at countering that. You know, the, last, the first 10 overs and the last 10 overs, they seem to play like T20 cricket now. Um, and then in the middle, there's a bit more finessing and there's a bit more ebb and flow. 
But, you know, you have to be on your game. And we've seen Australian part-timers in South Africa and India just don't have the artillery to counter when the batters are going very, very hard. And Sean Abbott, after the, the match, the second match, you know, he was sort of had his hands up and was just saying, um, you know, we had really no answers with the ball and and we couldn't pick them when we were batting. So we were in a tough spot. So not a lot of confidence there. All right, bit of cricket news around the World Cup I want to update the listeners on, Gav. Um, so bad news for South African fans. Unric Norkia and Sisanda Magala have been ruled out of the World Cup and uh, uh, Fuluakeo and Lizard Williams have been included as replacements in the squad. So a bit of a blow, especially Norkia, Gav. He was a bit of an ace mm. for them. He was, and just raw pace. You can't supplement, you know, raw pace. And a lot of IPL experience, him and Rabada bowling those death overs, phenomenal. Um, yeah, it's disappointing because I've, I've, I've slightly I changed my opinion a little bit about South Africa when I did a bit of research about, and, and just watching Henrik Klaassen, we know what he did to Australia, but even like the Mark Rooms and uh, Van Dusen, uh, Van der Dusen, who's, who's, who I think just, he's got a phenomenal batting average, I think in his mid-40s, and tends to score runs. Um, so you never know with South Africa. Uh, and I, but I, you know, North They've got is, match winners. What I like they about do. South Africa. They've yep. got some real match wins. Quinton de yeah, Kock so could he, win a couple of matches. Um, absolutely. Right, next, next so bit I think of he's, news. A, he's a big loss. Big loss. Next bit of news, um, Sri Lanka may lose Hasaranga, the leg spinning all rounder. He has a hamstring injury, and that is a big loss if he's ruled out for Sri Lanka. He plays in the IPL, knows the conditions, and, yeah, a big loss. Well, I, I think, you know, Rashid Khan, uh, Hasaranga, and, well, I mean, I think Adam Zampa and Adil Rashid, they're four people you just want to watch, and I think mm. – if he's not there, that's it. and it's a hamstring injury. You always worry about the soft tissue injuries because you know the recovery time can vary so much. While someone like you know Travis Head, it's the, the bone will heal, um, and sometimes you can take a bit of a chance with a you know a broken bone rather than a uh, you know a soft tissue injury. So that that could be pivotal. You can and he he can hit the ball hard as well, lower down the order. So it could be catastrophic for Sri Lanka if he's out. Absolutely. Hassan Ali has replaced Nazim Shah in the Pakistan squad. We said uh, Nazim Shah was injured last week. Well, he's been replaced by Hassan Ali, who has some of the best uh, wicket celebrations going around in cricket. So um, I'm glad to see him in the Pakistan squad. Also a bit of news out of the – sorry, go on. Isn't he the man that Pakistan blames for losing that T20 World Cup when he dropped Matty Wade out the deep mid-wicket boundary? Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Visa, um, there's been some visa delays for Pakistan. I don't know if you caught this news. So Pakistan yeah. were, were not able to travel travel to Dubai and instead have been delayed waiting for their visas to go to India. They're the only team that didn't have their visas. And this happened to Australia when Usman Khawaja got his visa a bit late. What's behind that, do you think, Gav? Uh, just, you know, everyone's quite aware about the, you know, the, the the political world, um, it, you know, you can call them tensions, and you know, the, there's always been a little bit of that between India, Pakistan. You know, I, I, 
I got a text message from a couple of journalists, uh, Pakistan journalists as well, who who are yet to get their visas for the World Cup as well. So just not affecting the cricketers. Um, it's it's some of the other people who want to cover this beautiful game of cricket. So um, yeah, I, look, I think eventually it takes a little bit of time, but I think once the documentation is provided, I think it'll be okay. But certainly, it's not what you want to have running into a World Cup. You know, having to have visa problems and having to change your schedule because you know it's a professional era. Teams are mapping out on, you know, from from dietitians to you know strength and conditioning coach to match preparation and how many hours you want to train and conditions. So. Yeah, it's a little bit of a setback, but I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Pakistan will, will be in India and they'll be participating in this World Cup. Well, absolutely, because the BCCI wants the TV revenue from the blockbuster match between India and Pakistan. All right, now a bit more of a chat about the World Cup, Gav. I've sort of been thinking all weekend about who I think will make up the top four. So, you know, 10 teams, they all play each other once and then there'll be top four at the end of it. So I'm going to give you my top four at the moment and then I'm going to sort of, you can tell me where you think I've gone wrong. So I think India, England and Pakistan, I think will Mm. qualify. So that's my top three. I think they're locks. Pakistan's a bit of a wild card because things are going to be yep. tough to for them in India, but I still think they're going to do really well. Then I think I've got New Zealand and South Africa ahead of Australia. So I don't think Australia is going to make the semifinals. I think they won't be far away. I think they'll be in that fifth or sixth position. But as I said, India, England, Pakistan, then I think New Zealand or South Africa will sneak through and Australia will be left on the sidelines. Do you agree? I think India and England are the only ones we're looking at are probably guaranteed. I mean, India's got the you know the, the form, the record, they're playing at home. England, we're basing it on what's happened in the past, and 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 we're going a lot on England on what's on on a piece of paper. But let's not forget, even when they were favourites in twenty nineteen World Cup, came to a bit of a knockout. They lost that you know famous game against I think Sri Lanka in Leeds, and suddenly. Mm. Uh, it, so their bowling's you know, look, not as strong as it was last World Cup. That's my it, concern with England. It, their fast it's bowling not, isn't as strong. Yeah, but I think the spinners and, and that that you know being able to hit your way out of trouble is gonna work. I think people know what's mm. coming from England. Um I think there's enough depth there, but so I think India right now, if you ask me, we're still you know a couple of weeks going in, given what we've seen in the Asia Cup, that um I, I think you know, Boomer coming back. That's uh, um, you know. So I think India definitely will make it. England, we're still basing it. They will make it. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking, but it's still a lot on what's going on paper. I think they could still beat plenty of teams. So I think England. Yep. So those two are the only guarantees. I think there's a lot of. Uh, you said Pakistan. I, I'm still not convinced about Pakistan. Um, you know, Sri Lanka can topple them. Uh, Australia can topple them. I, I think I'm still not quite convinced about Pakistan yet. I think there's still a question mark about their spin bowling. Um, And I I don't know about their five, six, and seven. I know Baba Razam and Rizman will score runs, but I think they're, yeah, they're a little bit like, I think Australia's slightly ahead of Pakistan, to be honest. Interesting. Um, Yeah, but that's off now, Um, you know. So, yeah, I think only two teams for now for for me, Menas. I I think that's what makes this World Cup interesting. And it might be a battle of, whoever survives against Afghanistan. 
Well, well then, yeah, then I've got four teams. So I don't think Sri Lanka will be genuine contenders for this World Cup. I, I think we saw in the Asian Cup there are real areas where they lack quality. Mm. I think their batting is a little weak. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think Sri Lanka will make the semifinals. I'm not saying they can't win a few games and be in it, but I just think they're going to not be in the race when we get to the semifinals. Like Bangladesh just don't know if they can cut cut the mustard with some of the better teams. Um, and well, Afghanistan and the Netherlands, Afghanistan have some great spinners, but I don't. Again, I don't think they're batting strong enough to put big totals on the board. And the Netherlands, I think they'll might surprise the odd odd team. Maybe yeah. they'll beat South Africa like they did in the T Twenty World Cup. But apart from that, I just can't see them getting through. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be tight race for the top four, but I just can't see Australia doing it on this form. Yeah, I, th- I still think I, I see Australia sneaking in. I I don't know who the fourth team might be. It might be South Africa. Um, hopefully it's a surprise and you, you don't know. But, yeah, look, I, just for two for now for me, Menes, let's see how the tournament is going. Conditions mm. are going to play a huge role as well. You, I'm just looking at Sri Lanka's schedule as we speak. And, you know, they start off against South Africa, Pakistan and Australia. Now, if they win two of those games, you think, hey, you know, that they might have done their job um, because they so because they finished with, you know, Bangladesh and they they finish with Afghanistan and they finish with you know New Zealand so uh, look the, a lot of their games are also in uh, you know in Bangalore and Pune which are traditionally good batting wickets and if batting wickets are what to go by I think Sri Lanka probably want a bit of turning wickets to be honest rather than flat batting wickets because I just yeah. don't think they quite have the firepower so you're right about Sri Lanka um, but you never know they 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 start off. Uh, big game, uh, you know, in Delhi, which can be quite slow. Um, and, you know, playing in Lucknow against Australia, I think, you know, you'd give Sri Lanka a bit of a chance because Lucknow can spin. So that's my picks at the moment. I'm down on Australia's World Cup uh, form at the moment, so let's hope they can turn it around. Now, Dan Cherney from News Corp is reporting that during this World Cup, if a player is tested positive for COVID-19. They'll have to isolate for seven days in a hotel room, which is under Indian health regulation. So uh, there's no random testing, but that could be a bit of a blow. So I would say the players have to be pretty smart during this World Cup, keep themselves healthy, keep themselves, I don't know, isolated a little bit um, and and try and stay COVID-free because, you know, you would for Australia, for example, you know, if, if there's a few players, if you lost a, a Stark or a Smith or a Warner for a week, that could be the end of your campaign, the way they're playing. Well, you can, you know, say, take that across all the, to- the the teams. As far as I know, testing's not mandatory. So if we come into semifinals and if somebody's a little bit sick, you know, maybe it, uh, that's test what I'm saying. Fine. No, there's no, there's no mandatory yeah. or random test. Yeah. It's just uh, maybe, maybe a test is going to be done behind closed doors, and maybe that player gets isolated within his hotel room. And I mm. mean, we've had players play the game now who've been positive across different formats. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't look like that. that. There might be a thing, but you know, teams are going to manage their players, and if it's just a bit of a cold for a couple of days, they're probably locked, getting locked in their own rooms. And I don't think that information is probably getting out anywhere to isolate the player for seven days. Absolutely. I agree with you. They'll have to be very smart the way they play that one. 
All right, so moving on from the World Cup, Gav, some very interesting news emerged during the week. And uh, listeners to this podcast will know we've talked a lot about the rise of franchise cricket and how this could impact on national teams, national cricket, international test cricket. And England have made the first steps to counter this. And this was something that's been mentioned in a, in Australia by some of the players, and that is to offer their players multi-year contracts. And normally mm. in Australia and England, uh, contracts were done on a year-on-year basis. Yep. And that's mainly due to form, I think. Traditionally, you don't want to guarantee someone a spot in the national yep. team for three years because they could woefully um, – dip in form and there you've given them a contract which um you know you, you don't want them in your team anymore so yeah you know national boards had been reticent to do this but i actually think it's very smart that the ecb has started to do this so as i said they've offered one two and three year contracts to some of their players um some of the the top players including stokes brook and wood have been offered three-year packages and this is to stop them signing with say an indian ipl franchise Mm -hmm. uh, where they're going to offer multi-year deals and the word on the street is that after this world cup these deals are going to start to be put on the table so i actually quite like this method i know in sort of instinct wise as a cricket fan you think well i don't want to promise Joe Bloggs, they're going to be in the national side for three years. But what they're kind of saying is even if you dip in form, we're going to keep you in our system, we're going to keep you part of the Australian or English system, and we're not going to lose you to the Mumbai Indians, for example. So what do you think? Uh, Absolutely. Um, Look, I think it depends on who these contracts are offered to. I mean, you know, what stage of career a player is at? Like, I look at Cam Green, a perfect example. You know, he's, uh, you probably want to keep him in that Australian system because, you know, you want him to play all three formats potentially. Um, I think the contracts in future are probably going to be set out in a manner that it's on. It's going to be based on the format you play as well. So Australia, Cricket Australia might set out a contract um, for one year or three years where, you get Cam Green to almost say, yes, I will be available for every sort of, you know, red ball format for Australia or could be just a white ball format, could be for, you know, someone like a Warner or Maxwell. Um, But it is on the right track, I I believe. You know, cricket boards are are trying to sort of uh, come up with a solution to counter this franchise cricket uh, boom. Um, So it is the right way. I think ECB are doing the right thing. Uh, Cricket Australia is a little bit different. I think um, my concern for Cricket Australia is that that you know they almost say that April, May, June, a bit of a holiday period, in, and then, then players go get out of that holiday period and go play franchise cricket um, in the IPL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Like I, I personally believe a seven-month contract during a cricket season is what New Zealand do. I like that method. If, if not for the higher-level players, then state players, because then let them decide, you know, like whether it be a Daniel Sams or could be a Sean Abbott. Well, they're available to play for New South Wales for sort of, you know, from, you know, October to March. But what they do in the next six months is irrelevant. Um, I, so I think that, you know, it, it puts the focus on the player. Um, but right now, you know, I think the youngsters, it's the right way forward. But I think what the players, what, what this does for the players is 
it gives them security because what these multi-year franchise deals will do is they'll make compelling offers to players who will have to decide, well, I, I'm going to get contracted for three years now. That's enough for me to buy a house or whatever, and I don't have to worry about anything else. It's it's easy. I can travel around the world playing franchise cricket. So, yeah, I think this this multi-year national contracts gives some security, shows how much they value the players, and I just think it's the right way to go. So, yeah, I think we'll see more of it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So it's, uh, uh, there's still so many questions. So I think a, a it's changing lot of all things. The time. Are, it, it is changing. The landscape is going to keep changing. All right, we're going to take our final break, and then we'll be back with our last couple of cricket headlines and then can't let it go. Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm with Gavin. We've got a couple of cricket headlines to go. Then we've got Can't Let It Go. It's been a depressing episode so far, talking about Australia's grim World Cup prospects. I know Gav's still disappointed after the Wallabies exited the Rugby Union World Cup. (laughs) All right. Now, um, sticking with some World Cup news, but now the T20 World Cup. And Gav, T20 cricket is heading to the Big Apple 2024. Three venues have been decided in America for 20 over cricket, and it is Grand Prairie in Texas, Lauder Hill in Florida, and Nassau County in New York. So it's 30 miles east of Manhattan. So uh, for those who don't know, USA and West Indies are hosting the T20 World Cup in 2024. And so three venues in America. I think the one in New York is going to be sort of constructed specifically for this tournament, but New York, New York, here we come, Gav. Let's head over. How close is that to your apartment in Manhattan? (laughs) Um, I don't know, but Steve Smith's going to be – he's got an apartment in Manhattan, I think, so he'll be fine just to um, jet out (laughs) to New York. But, I mean, that's great. I I mean, fantastic that they're taking the World Cup to America, I think. Um, You know, there was talk that maybe they'd play in – North Carolina, where they played some of the major league championship, but I actually think it's good going to New York. I mean, it's you know a landmark city in the world. Take T Twenty cricket there. I think the stadium's going to seat thirty four thousand people. There's a ton of expats in New York, so can't wait. Yeah, I I think that they estimate you know like the South Asian or the Asian community in America is is close to about you know so twenty five million people. So that's as big as Australia. So um, and, and a lot have been there for a while. You know, America's pretty well connected in terms of airspace and uh, air travel. So, and, and, you know, Dallas is the hotbed. A lot of sort of, uh, you know, IT companies are there. Uh, New York, we know about, and Florida had cricket matches in the past. So every time India's gone on a tour to West Indies now, T20 cricket, they've always had three T20s in West Indies and two always in Florida, given its proximity um, close proximity to to the Caribbean, so uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. It's it's going to be interesting. I think you know, cricket in America continues to grow. We've seen some under nineteen Indian cricketers who've is, you know failed to reach the ultimate stage and probably know that they probably can't represent India. You know, who who have gone on to play for America now. Um, so that that's great news, and what we've seen. Lots of players come through. They're giving up their lucrative contracts. They know they probably can't play at the national level. They've gone and played for America. So um, I think 
America, uh, cricket is getting stronger, and, and you know you'll get up like the the, the crowds are going to be phenomenal. We need to get a sponsor who can send us over yeah. to cover the World Cup in the US. I I know from the podcast downloads that our third most um, the third country that downloads the pod the third most is America. Um, so there's a lot of listeners to the show in America and I've, I've traveled around America a bit and you know, met a lot of South Asian people, especially around the South Houston, um, yep. all that area and, and spoken cricket over there. So you're right. Can't wait. All right. So that is, um, a lot of the cricket headlines. Let's just take a look now at the domestic cricket that started. So as I said, at the top of the show, um, cricket in Australia has begun. The Women's National Cricket League and the Marsh Cup are underway. New South Wales and Queensland played two games at Cricket Central. They split those games, so one, one each. Uh, South Australia beat ACT twice in the WNCL. Yep. The big news, though, is Meg Lanning is penciled in to return for the Victorian side uh, this week in their start to the season. She's not going to play the international series for Australia against the West Indies, but her first foray back into cricket after a, a long break with an um, unreleased health um, problem. So great to hear she'll be coming back soon. Absolutely. Look, I mean, it, it might be so hard for, you know, for someone like Lanning, who's achieved so much in cricket, So, but she's still relatively young in terms of how long she could be playing for. So, it's such a mental challenge for her, but good to see her back. And it's nice. You know, you don't want to, given there's so much cricket around, you just put overburden yourself, but ease off, you know, play a nice oval, uh, play a game of, you know, down at Junction Oval, or um, it, it could be at Cricket Central. And just ease back into cricket because she, she probably doesn't want all the spotlight on her at the moment. And um, look, I think Meg Lanning could, you know, she's probably got three, four, five years left, you know, if she wants to keep going, Minas. I agree. And I just hope she's doing okay and it'll be fantastic to see her back for Victoria and then hopefully Australia. I'm sure she's sort of eyeing up playing the WBBL that starts in October, mm-hmm. so perhaps the WNCL is a bit of a warm-up for that and then maybe hopefully that will be a return to international cricket. Uh, in the Marsh One Day Domestic Cup, in the first match, the title holders WA beat Queensland by four wickets. WA won the last two Marsh One Day Cups, so they're killing it in this format. I guess um, the thing for me is um, Queensland batted first and set WA 239. Josh Philippi made 90 off 88 mm. in the chase. And Philippi started this summer pretty well. He made 100 for Australia, Ray. He's now yep. made 90 here. He's a bit of an up-and-coming player. Uh, he's one to watch for me this summer. He is. And, you know, a lot of uh, Philippi's, every time we talk about it, we talk about the Sixers opening the batting, talking the ball over the place. But I think, you know, if you just look at the last sort of 18 months, he's gone and played sort of, you know, bat at number six in the Shield for Western Australia. Uh, he's batting at number four or five in this match, I, I believe, Menez. Um So I think mm. he's just trying to resurrect his career, probably knowing that it's just not – there's more to his game. And he's probably discovered that um, in the last 18 months. So good on him. Um, you know, it's nice to have him in the, on the horizon. And maybe if you could – Sort of show to the selectors um, that it is just not a, you know one trick pony in T Twenty cricket. He can play in other sort of formats. Then maybe there's a more sort of um, in terms of his future. There, there's more. There's going to be more opportunities for him. 
Yeah, most certainly. And and especially after this 50-over World Cup, I think there will be a shift um, in personnel. They'll, yeah. they'll look to the T20 World Cup next year, then they'll look to the 50-over World Cup after that. You know, I think players like Maxwell and Stoinis, Yep. I think we'll start to see them moved on. So Smith, real opportunity Warner. for yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a real opportunity for Philippi to come in in that middle order and, and even the top of the order. And, and the other one is uh, Lance Morris, the the wild thing from mm. WA, made his return after an injury this year. He took four for sixty four, a lot of wickets, a little bit expensive, but looked pretty good on what I saw. Um, so the Marsh Cup is underway, and uh, WA get the win. And yeah, as for domestic look, season, we start our commentary next week, so it really is looming. We do, we do. So we might have to um, record it at our at our commentary box next week. Maybe That's find it. a room. So, find a- and we'll probably need to discuss a lot more things. <laughs> exactly. All right. So that is all the cricket headlines. Let's wrap it up with "Can't Let It Go." That little bit of cricket news you just can't let go. And Gav, I've got a real bugbear this week because go for it. All the good work being done around the world to stop batters uh, walking out of their crease and backing up too far at the non-strikers end was, was undone on the weekend when Bangladesh captain Lytton Das recalled Ish Sodi after fast bowler Hassan Mahmood ran him out at the non-strikers end because he left the crease early. No, 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 Lytton Das. Let Sodi send him off. If you're going to back up too far... Bad luck. I'm sorry. Uh, I do not like this by Lytton Das. I think if you're a batter and you can't stay in your crease at the non-strikers, then bad luck. Where do you stand? <laughs> I think it's going to be dictated by the situa- game situation. I think we're going to see it happen in 49th over, and that's when it's going to we're going to get into this debate. I think some 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 law needs to be scripted around it, um, and. Rather than you know the gentleman's game, let, let's let's eradicate all that. Um, yeah, just go go by the laws. I mean, yeah, if you're out of your crease, you're out. Exactly, and I think you know players, and maybe it's a bit of you know friendly one day, so not that much significance. But oh, I think we're going to get to the World Cup final, and we see someone doing it, and one required of one ball, then you you feel like you know that options is is going to be viable for the bowler and the fielding team, and the captain who's you know, probably doesn't want to take that back. But oh, my one see. minute is, my yes. one minute is, uh, seriously, like we're worried about, you know, overrates and I agree with that. Trying to Now, in one of the first ODI, a ball was clipped. I think it was Shubin Gill. And the bat- batters, you know, I think it was Adam Zampa pulled off a great stop on the boundary rope. They ran four runs, right? They ran four runs. Now, wow. the umpire the umpires were checking if the ball hit the rope or not. Now, I I understand why they need to do it because if you run for it doesn't count as a boundary to the batter. But does that really matter, Minners? Mm. It would have mattered in 2019 when there was a... And that's something you can yeah. check afterwards. Like, you don't need to stop the game. Like, the score yes. is the score, and you can uh, if you yeah. need to add a boundary to the batter's total, yeah. at the end you can uh, do that. Exactly, and and when it made sense in 2019 World Cup, of course, that epic final when it went to boundary count back, not you know, so that made it could have made a difference. But that rule doesn't exist anymore, you know. So why would you stop the game? And it took two and a half minutes to check. I can't let that go seriously. A full yeah, run. I don't think a batter cares, manners. Nobody cares. Uh, 
And, and I've got a bit of bigger point on that as well. With the like in the second one day international India and Australia, Shreyas I had something wrong with his arm at one point, and he yeah. was stopping and having a massage for ages. Like they lost so much time, and I'm just like nowadays, I reckon the umpires have got to be like, okay, if you can't face the next ball. Off you go, retire hurt, sort it out, and you can come back out when a wicket falls. But you can't just stop the game for five minutes so a player can get a, a massage on his cramping um, forearm in the middle of a match. I mean, it was very, very frustrating. Uh, and I'm seeing a lot of this. Just, just pause a minute. So let, let's just hold up the podcast for five minutes while we get a massage, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You give good massages. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, well, that's it for Cricket Unfiltered this week. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, uh, follow the show on your favourite podcast app. Share it with all your friends. Um, share the link on your favourite social media. If you can rate the show on Apple or Spotify, please do that. If you leave a review on Apple, I will read them out on the show, good or bad. So I'll le- so leave a review. We're on Twitter and Instagram, at AusCricketPod, AUS Pod. We're also on TikTok as Cricket Unfiltered. I've been putting up lots of clips of the show on social media. If you want to become a valued patron of the show, you can head to Patreon, and that link is in the episode notes. Feel free to subscribe to the YouTube page. Uh, that's free to subscribe. And during the World Cup, Gavin, I'll be doing some live broadcasts. So great time to subscribe. If you want to email us your cricket takes, the link is in the episode notes. And also, um, there's lots of great interviews on the podcast app. So just put in Menas Masterclass and lots of timeless interviews from the off-season. Gav, where can the listeners connect with you? course on the cricket unfiltered I, I have been sending the odd tweet here and there minutes um but yeah there's a few radio stations have been calling up and getting my opinion on cricket which is always nice and there's probably some big things happening around the world cup as well but i'll keep the uh, listeners updated well thanks everybody for for listening to cricket unfiltered maybe we'll be back later this week with another episode if not next week on the eve of the world cup Gavin and I will sink our teeth into the, the form of these teams, update you with all the injuries and um, form changes. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Gav, and we'll be back soon. This is a Piccolo Podcast production. Sports Social Podcast Network.